You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. Your co-host, Danny. And fans, we have a full show for you today, so let's get to it. First, a little NBA news. Then we'll get into Olympic news. And then just a little bit NFL news, especially when it comes to training camp. But first, right into the NBA news and where actually President Barack Obama has become a minority investor uh, excuse me, a strategic partner and minority owner in the uh, NBA Africa business, uh, which ultimately oversees the Basketball Africa League. Uh, and the NBA uh, actually launched this Africa entity uh, earlier this year and where they feel that they're valued at $1 billion. Now, the Africa excuse me, the NBA Africa oversees the Basketball Africa League, uh, which had its inaugural season this year, and ultimately have investors like Adekembe Mutombo, Grant Hill, and Junior Bridgman. And Danny, in doing some further research here, I also noticed that Joaquin Noah is also a an investor as well. So uh, obviously, the Kembe Mutombo is a Congo native, and um, another person who is an investor, Luol Deng, yep. who is a South Sudan uh, native. So, man, kudos to these individuals for becoming investors in this new league um, in NBA Africa. Uh, this is just something that is really big time, man, and one of the things uh, with President Obama, his stake in the league will help fund the Obama Foundation Youth and leadership programs across Africa. So, man, this is this really, really intriguing. And Danny, we mentioned this earlier in one of our previous podcasts about how you have now more and more individuals making more money. Uh, NBA players making more money. And now they want to want to have that governorship or ownership stake in an actual franchise. Uh, we also talked about in an earlier podcast that how the expansion of a league, whether it's the NBA or NFL, is going to really start to go out the board outside the borders of the United these United States. When you think about expansion. Yes, of course, you know, Las Vegas, okay, Seattle is there. But Mexico City, option. Expansion over into Europe, an option. Um, expansion, obviously, in Africa. So I think we're going to see more and more enthusiasts uh, and NBA stars to really uh, go ahead and look at what they can do to become franchise owners or franchise uh, governors, what what they do? So, Jason, just one other thing to add to the Obama piece, which I think is cool. 
is part of this is to support the league's social responsibility efforts in Africa mm -hmm. uh, around gender equality and economic inclusion. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those funds that you mentioned, this is also going to those uh, causes uh, within Africa. So all in all, I think it's a great move by the NBA. And then, like you said, this provides opportunities for individuals to have their stake. And this is starting from the ground up, right? So mm -hmm. they can establish some things here, bring in individuals and build something great. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how this all shapes out because it's more green field right now. Everything is being learned from this environment and um, expansion and how they can take this to the next level within Africa. All in all, a great move by the NBA Africa to include Brock. And also just looking forward to the opportunities as well where the NBA and FIBA will partner again to do something else like this around the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Well, we'll stay tuned. Mm -hmm. And now into the NBA draft, which is actually going to start tomorrow. Here you have uh, Detroit being the number one pick or having the number one pick. And it's just interesting, man, because the Milwaukee Bucks, they don't have a first round pick. Uh, they don't pick until actually the first pick in the second round at number 31. And so uh, this is going to be really interesting just to kind of see how things shake out, not only for Milwaukee, but for the rest of the teams here and how they actually maneuver and all that stuff. I think, though, when you think about draft picks nowadays, and I think what I've seen or personally what I've noticed uh, within the past couple of years has been these teams are not really feeling these picks, man. They're, they're <laughs> trading them. <laughs> They're putting them in trade packages and they're like, you know what? We can go ahead and really get anyone, anything we need out on a market in the free agency. And we would know that these players are actually developed, that they're ready to actually contribute uh, immediately. So these draft picks, man, I think it's just really just, just there. And <laughs> they just put them in you know, trade packages a uh, prime example is OKC, man. OKC has so many picks for the next 10 years. It's it's ridiculous. And I'm like, man, at what point do you just do away with all your picks, man? I mean, mm -hmm. you're going to have several teams created off of all the picks that you have gained over the next 10 years. And to me, OKC by doing that is really is going to become more of a of a draft and develop team and franchise. And then, oh, by the way, these bigger teams are going to come in and go ahead and make this phenomenal trade uh, and get those players, those developed players, or they're going to wait until that rookie contract is over and that player is going to want to go ahead and move. Mm hmm. I'm hoping that with what Giannis has done really helps the small market teams. And I think that's what OKC is making on, mm -hmm. but I'm going to tell you now all franchises and now all people are really and athletes are thinking that way. So we'll see what happens. What say you? Yeah, Jason, I think that 
Um, excited for the draft. A few names you, you got to see during the uh, NCAA tournament. But I'm more intrigued by some of the trade rumors that are out there surrounding some of these players like a Ben Simmons, a Kyle Lowry, names like that, where there could be some big package deals on trade night or soon thereafter. So I'm very intrigued by what can happen amongst not just the picks themselves, but some of these trades like a Golden State. We talked offline a couple weeks ago about Golden State really doesn't want those picks. They want to go for it now because Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, starting to get a little older. Clay had mm-hmm. these injuries. That window is shutting. <laughs> that window is about to close on them. So mm-hmm. they're going to want to go for it. And it could be too where they might try to flip Wiseman in one of those picks to try to bring in a, a veteran or a star to go for that push for the championship uh, this upcoming season. So a lot of different storylines that I'm curious to see tomorrow night and in the upcoming weeks with the NBA draft, but always in, uh, a good night because a lot of uh, guys get an opportunity at establishing themselves and building a great future. So we'll see what happens tomorrow night and leading up to it and post draft Um, now on to brim forbes who has actually elected to decline that player option and uh, that option was going to be for 2.45 million dollars listen man i don't blame brim forbes one bit uh listen you have increased your value go ahead and see what you can get on the market Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be really interesting, especially when it comes to the Bucks off season. As right as it stands right now, man, the Bucks are way over <laughs> the the um, the line here, uh, especially because Giannis's uh, new contract extension is going to kick in uh, beginning this season. Uh, so Giannis is going from twenty seven point five million dollars to thirty nine million dollars. Uh, Drew Holiday is getting going from twenty five million to twenty five point eight million to thirty million, so so some significant increases there for our main players. But you know what? After winning this championship, I believe they really deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> um, now this is going to be interesting to see how the rest of this roster really pans out. I believe that you know Jordan Nora. Uh, and Sam Merrill are going to have some opportunities here, including Justin Jackson and and Diakatai. Uh, and forgive me if I pronounced the name incorrectly there. But these individuals are going to have an opportunity here uh, because I don't think the Bucs are going to have enough money to really uh, bring in some additional uh, help. So going to be interesting to see how this really kind of flows. Yeah, and Jason, too, along those lines, you can't forget Bobby Portis mm-hmm. is also probably going to do the same thing, opt out because he has a player option because I think he's on the books for $3.8 million, somewhere yep, in there. That's correct. That is correct. Yep. So you can also see Bobby Portis falling 
you know, going that way of Brent Forbes and not exercising that player option to get more money. I'm just curious if Milwaukee's going to open the, the pocketbook and bring Bobby back. I, I think they'd be silly not to, but depends right. on what he's commanding on the open market as well, because that mm-hmm. will drive it. I think the Milwaukee Bucks will bring him back. He is too loved in Milwaukee not to bring him back. I mean, that would be a huge disappointment, uh, I believe. So, hey, man, give Bobby his money. Um, and look, man, Bobby can shoot the three. <laughs> he can shoot the three and do some things on the inside. He has a little mid-range game. I mean, you know, so I think if that develops, I think you can give him a bigger role, possibly. This is going to be interesting in the offseason, but, man, it sure feels good to celebrate <laughs> the championship, man, it feels good. And now, Danny, these Olympics, mm-hmm. the basketball, the men's basketball team in the Olympics have actually won a game. Kudos to them. They played uh, Iran in where they uh, dominated 120 to 66. And I think it was good to see that they won. Um, I think they're getting their bearings. They're getting a better idea of the team. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how this really all pans out against some uh, veteran teams that have been playing together for a number of years. So we'll see what happens as this team continues to develop as coach pop tries to pull something together here uh this is just gonna be really interesting what say you danny yeah jason uh that first game of pool play on sunday or saturday or sunday morning whenever i'm getting the times all mixed up man it's i know tokyo is i think it's like 13 hours ahead so when news coming in and when things are on tv here uh, just trying to decipher all that. But needless to say, Evan Fournier went off for 27 points. Uh, France ended on a 16-2 run where the USA was dominating that game for the most part, uh, particularly in the first half. And then late in that fourth quarter, they just couldn't hit a shot. There was an opportunity where I think they shot three or four three-pointers in a row Less than a minute left, they could have took the lead, and they all missed. So part of it was, I think, you bring in Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Devin Booker right off the finals, so integrating them into the team. And I think as they go forward, like you mentioned, just getting some cohesiveness on the court and understanding roles and responsibilities as they navigate these uh, and navigate pool play and then also the medal round. We've seen it in the past, like in Argentina, where you had a Ginobili and Scola, Luis Scola, if you remember him back in the day. These teams, they're playing for pride. They play with each other for so long, even though they they may not play with each other during the NBA season. But they've grown up together, and they just bring it. And Mm -hmm. FIBA basketball is different than the NBA. So some of the star players – are sitting there looking at the refs like, man, where's that call? <laughs> and they don't care about you having superstar that, status. <laughs> you can see that where they're looking like, where's the call? 
no, you have to play the game, man. It's a different game. So getting used to the goal, how they play, how they officiate the games, I think it'll take some adjustment since they haven't played there in five years. So once they get, once they get going, I think they'll be okay. But uh, shaky start, but I think this Iran game set them straight and hopefully they'll go on to bigger and better things to finish out the Olympics. Interesting news about Simone Biles uh, as she decided to uh, buy out of the uh, team competition and is buying out of the uh, individual um, competition as well, uh, citing uh, mental health. And I, if an athlete feels that she need, he or she needs to uh, take a moment um, for mental health, hey, I'm all for it. Uh, I think we've all been going through things for the past 18 months. And one thing that I think people are not really discussing about this is the fact that family and friends, they're not allowed into Japan. They, they weren't able to travel. So that support system that is normally there isn't there. Um, not only that, but we're talking about one of the greatest athletes of our time who has the pressure of not getting one gold medal, not getting two gold medals, but five or more gold medals in a single Olympics, man. And so that, yes, that's a lot of uh, pressure in Dawn. So I remember seeing uh, her warm up and where um, they keep saying that she got lost in the air and you saw her land uh, very awkwardly uh, in Dawn. Hey, man, if you getting lost in the air while, while twisting and turning and flipping and all that stuff, and if you land wrong, physically, you could be messed up for an extended period of time. So I definitely would want an athlete to have their mental faculties okay before uh, possibly severely injuring themselves. Now, the other thing to, to this, though, is we don't know what happened behind the scenes. Like, I don't know if it was one of those where she's been practicing, you know, certain jumps and then a week or two prior to the games, they, the U S Olympics, uh, the team, the team themselves decided to change something. We, we just don't know what maybe have even happened behind the scenes here. Mm -hmm. So I think before we really cast judgment uh, on Simone Biles, let's get all the facts. But then what she said from her mouth is that she wanted to make sure that, you know, her mental faculties were okay. So, Hey, I'm all for it. Um, gold medal, silver medal, bronze medal, whatever. I think the mental faculties of an individual is more important. So, um, then do you have anything to add there? Yeah, I think, you hit it, Jason. It's it's a unique situation for these Olympics. The atmosphere, there's no crowd, uh, except for, you know, reporters and other teammates. And you don't have your family. So you don't know how much that factors into some of these athletes and having parents or 
family or friends or whomever there in the crowd or back at the hotel where you can have a sounding board. It's different being virtual over a Zoom call versus having someone face to face and talking things through. Selfishly, it, it, it hurts, man, because that was one of the main reasons I wanted to watch the Olympics was to see her perform because she's lights out. But mm -hmm. if, if that's the case, like you said, we don't know all the facts. And seeing her doing that twist yesterday, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. And seeing how she performed that first night, something may just not be right. Mm -hmm. uh, so I know a lot of sponsors are probably not happy about that either because there's a lot of money involved with this. So we can't forget that part where people are, are going to say stuff because there's a lot of money being pushed behind her for this. But athletes... It's the thing now where they're being more open with their feelings and people are going to cast judgment positive, positively or negatively. So looking forward to seeing if there's anything else and making sure she's okay mm -hmm. uh, from a mental standpoint. And hopefully going forward, everything will be okay with her um, and she's able to continue her career. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's been interesting over the past day or two to hear more athletes even at the olympics come out and say that they actually have had sports psychologists and how many times that they have actually gone to sports psychologists uh in a matter of a week two three times a week uh and all and so i think those are some of the things that people just don't really know and i'm glad that uh the athletes are really shining a light on mm -hmm. on this and i'm wondering and i'm hoping that um, the IOC and really the United States Olympic team uh, in general really attacks this moving forward with regards to better establishing whether it's additional funding, whether it's additional uh, psychologists, whatever the case may be for, for the athletes themselves. So uh, maybe and hopefully this is a sign of better things to come um, in Dahl. Danny, you know, what's been interesting about the Olympics, man, I always find myself watching a sport that I would never, ever watch, man, never, ever watch. Right. So uh, I remember I was just flipping through the channels and I was like, man, what is this mountain biking? Man, I ended up watching my mountain biking. I was like, man, this is <laughs> this looks hard as all get out, man. <laughs> I was like, you know, this ain't no this is not no normal bike riding. This is mountain biking and they were going down some rocks and going up trails, steep trails. And I was like, man, um, I actually found that fascinating to watch, man. Another uh, sport I ended up watching uh, was, of course, uh, I watched uh, softball. Mm -hmm. um, I watched uh, whitewater rafting, man. The canoeing or the kayaking. Yeah. Oh man. And I ended up watching it on the phone with my, my sister, uh, and, uh, cause we, we, what, you know, flipping the channels and yep. we were like, man, look at this. And man, just the amount of upper body strength one has to have mm -hmm. for that sport is bonkers. Yes. And so I'm like, man, this is just really, 
it really looks hard. <laughs> so kudos to whoever's going to win because they have put a lot of time and a lot of work into not only their body, but their psyche and their uh, me- mental aspect just to really get through the the water, the rough, rough terrains and, mm-hmm. and just the trail itself, man. So kudos to them. And then uh, skateboarding. I watched a little skateboarding first time that's been in the Olympics and yep. uh, three on three basketball. So it's been very interesting uh, to watch over a period of time. I mean, what have you watched new? So Jason, one of my favorites during the Olympics is water polo. <laughs> I'm gonna get to the swimming in a minute, but water polo, for those of you who have not watched it, <laughs> Those individuals, those athletes are athletes. Mm-hmm. They are treading water that whole time. And aggressive water polo, man, is, is just, just seeing the stamina of these athletes. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the most impressive things when you watch the Olympics is the training and the time they put in and listening to some of their routines as they prepare for the Olympics mm-hmm. is insane. But Hey man, that's why they're there, right? Yep. They earned a spot. They put the work in, and it's always a lesson for the regular individual, if you want to call it that. You work hard. There's always a shot. You always have a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The swimming. This is one of my favorites as well. So there's been some featured athletes. Uh, one being Katie Ledecky, and so so far, uh, it hasn't went her way. From the 200 meter uh, swim, she didn't even she didn't even medal. She was uh, upset in the 400 free uh, by the same woman who won the 200 free, uh, the lady Titmus from Australia, mm-hmm. and they were showing her routine and how she was targeting Katie Ledecky, using her as inspiration during her training to to get that. And look, she beat her. Kayla Ledecky did get some redemption last night. She won the first 1,500-meter free uh, event by a couple seconds, and second place was another American. So that was interesting. Lily King, she had not, she hadn't lost in I don't know how many races they mentioned in the breaststroke. Mm-hmm. She, she got upset by a girl from Alaska. I think it was the first Alaskan swimmer in the Olympics, Lydia Jacoby, mm-hmm. she, she out-touched her right at the end. Uh, tonight is Caleb Dressel. He's swimming the 100 free, 100 meter free. So swimming is another one, man, where you see some of those athletes and you're like, man. It's not only the swimming, but it's the training outside of the pool they do as well yeah. to prepare them and the endurance. Like Kayla Decky's training is insane so if you get a chance out there world check out some of these athletes not only in swimming but some of these other uh sports and their routines and what they do to prepare and to stay in shape and train during the actual olympics because it's not like they're just going to the hotel and just chilling some of them are still doing their workouts um at a lesser level of course i just enjoy these two weeks where they're just going all out. And it's just constant sports, morning, afternoon, night, where you can check something out, 
random or not, uh, something you haven't seen before. So look forward to the next uh, couple of weeks just to see how these some of these things and, you know, got track and field coming up, too. So I'm really geeked for that. Now into a little NFL news and where training camp has actually started for the Green Bay Packers and oh boy a whole lot of news happened on day one of training camp and where Aaron Rodgers actually showed up uh and fans he had a press conference that lasted about a half hour uh full disclosure you know for full context of the press conference go out uh, on the various uh, channels and the outlets to look at the full uh, press conference. But we're going to showcase just uh, about two, three minutes of it, uh, just to kind of give you an idea of how Gr Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers and NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers, uh, what he said and what's really has been on his mind for the whole summer and even beginning of the year. Uh, so fans, uh, take a listen to this. Aaron, what was this all about for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. Um, I think, you know, there was uh, a lot of things that transpired. This wasn't uh you know, a draft day uh, thing, you know, uh, this was uh, started with a conversation in February um, at the season ended. And I just expressed, you know, my desire to be uh, more involved in conversations directly affecting my job. Um, also, uh, I wanted to help the organization maybe learn from them some of the mistakes in the past, in my opinion, about the way that some of the uh, outgoing veterans were treated, um, and just the fact that we didn't retain uh, a number of uh, players that I felt like were core players to our foundation, our locker room, high character guys. I'm talking about Charles Woodson, Jordy Nelson, Julius Peppers, Clay Matthews, Randall Cobb, James Jones, um, John Kuhn, Brett Good, TJ Lang, Brian Balaga. Casey Hayward, Micah Hyde, guys who were, you know, exceptional players for us, but great locker room guys, high character guys, many of them who weren't offered a contract at all or were extremely low-balled or were, you know, maybe in my opinion not uh, given the respect on the way out that guys of their status and stature and high character deserved. Um, and then it kind of progressed from there into – a commitment for the 2021 season and beyond. Uh, that really wasn't uh, given at any time. So for me, I had to assess the situation, not necessarily wanting to be a lame duck quarterback, especially after an MVP season, which I think you can understand. Um, and then the other part uh, in, in February was wanting to be a part of conversations involving free agents, uh, which has never happened in my career. Um, you know, I've, I've trained with a number of NFL guys most of my career in the off seasons. Um, my agency, Athletes First, has had a number of high draft picks over the years. Uh, I've tried to 
pass along information um, hasn't really been uh, used, shall we say. Um, so I wanted to offer my services as a recruiter, you know, uh, and I think we can all understand, you know, Green Bay isn't, uh, uh, you know, a huge vacation destination. People are coming here to play with me, uh, to play with our team, and, and knowing that they can win a championship here. And the fact that I haven't been used in those discussions was one I wanted to change moving forward. And I felt like based on my years, uh, the way I can still play, that that should be a natural part of the conversation. Um, as that progressed from that point, nothing really changed on that front. Um, so we got into March, and the conversation changed. Um, as I felt like, uh, if you can't commit to me past 2021, and I'm not a part of recruiting process and for agency, if I'm not a part of the future, then instead of letting me be a lame duck quarterback, if you want to make a change and move forward, then go ahead and do it. Um, so fans, we're going to stop there. But as you can tell, the, this press conference was a little bit over 30 minutes here. And Aaron Rodgers said a whole lot in there, man. He said a whole lot in there. Uh, I think fans and the media especially oh my gosh man the media has been just eating this up for the past two three four months it seems like it seems like every single day has been an Aaron Rodgers watch every single day has been what is Aaron Rodgers wearing what's on his t-shirt I mean it's just been it's been crazy um and finally Aaron Rodgers speaks and uh you all heard it man and uh, Danny, what I found fascinating was the fact that this press conference was over 30 minutes, man. <laughs> First of all, uh, I was not expecting this long of a press conference. Uh, I also wasn't expecting just the openness that he really had <laughs> with all the information, this really his thoughts. And he was just putting it out there. Um, later on in the press conference, he says that he don't he doesn't know where the leaks come came from. Basically, it wasn't from his camp that chances are came from the Packers organization. What I found intriguing in, in this whole thing, though, was was really you, you can have a perception about Aaron Rodgers in, in terms of his teammates. And I think what, what we saw in this uh, was the fact that he was standing by his former teammates. Personally, when a lot of the players that he listed left Green Bay, it did feel like, oh, dang, he's going to go ahead and just, just drop him like that? I mean... <laughs> yeah. It was so like, okay, maybe stay for a mentorship in a mentorship capacity. I did hear several times over and where uh, people or some of, some of his teammates want, wanted to take a pay cut to stay. Uh, Jordy Nelson, I think, was definitely one of them. I think, you know, after Jordy came from the uh, injury, that type of injury, which was an ACL injury, you're going to need at least a full season to, you know, for, you know, obviously recover 
you're not going to be right that first season, but that second season, you can be, you know, you can really, you know, come back from it. I think Jordy still had a little bit in the tank. And I think once he, you know, played with the Raiders, I think he kind of just lost a little love for the game. Mm-hmm. That's just, again, my interpretation uh, outside looking in, if you will. Some of the other players, when you think about the list that he provided, Super Bowl teammates was on that list. Charles Woodson, who left, went to the Raiders, played for like two, three, well, three seasons, ended up making the Pro Bowl as a safety. He still had some juice left, and we could have used him. So, mm-hmm. I mean, let's just be real, man. I mean, Aaron Rodgers got a little swag on him. I mean, he's NFL MVP. He's the leader of the organization. But here, here's the thing that I think people gets lost. Mm-hmm. You think about the landscape of the NFL and all of the elite quarterbacks, elite. There's only going to be a few elite quarterbacks in the NFL who has a Super Bowl ring, uh, a Super Bowl MVP, and a regular season MVP, okay? And they can't chances are those elite quarterbacks are making some kind of contribution to who is on their team. What pieces would actually work uh, for that, for that team. And yeah, these elite quarterbacks may have given their advice. It's not to say that the organization is going to use that advice, but at least the organization could maybe just say, okay, you know, we'll take this under consideration. If it seems like the Green Bay Packers was like, man, whatever. You play, you be the player. We go ahead and organize and you know come come up with a team. Who did Aaron Rodgers want to be on the defensive side of the football? Because over the past 10, 15 years, the Green Bay Packers have gone defense quite often in the first round. Mm-hmm. When you think about all the defensive moves in the first round that they made, yes, they've been on that rookie contract, but it's been very rare that they have re-signed those defensive backs, safeties, uh, or corner, excuse me, cornerbacks uh, to an extension. Mm-hmm. Very rare. And so it seems like every single year, what's happening to the Green Bay Packers, they're getting a new DB, they're yeah. getting a new cornerback, maybe a safety here and there. Every year it feels like that. And so at what point, you know, does an organization, an elite quarterback in the organization, at what point does his ideals is taken seriously? I think an elite quarterback has to have some kind of say in terms of how to make an organization better, mm-hmm. especially if you've been there for 16, 17 years, man. He sounded like Russell Wilson did after the Super Bowl, right? Russell Wilson's like, hey, I would like to have a seat at the table. Otherwise, here are some teams you can trade me to if you don't want me to have input. But if you look at, I think everyone needs to look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay said, I want this person, this person, this person, that person, this person, and that person. And they signed him, right? Tom Brady didn't have that say in New England. Bill Belichick ran the show and didn't really care about Tom Brady 
because there are a lot of you would have thought the Patriots would have signed all kinds of different free agents for Tom Brady, especially at the receiver. But they were draft, bring dudes off the scrap heap, and we're going to make it work because our system will make it work. So I think Aaron Rodgers getting beat by Tom Brady, this all this has been snowballing <laughs> and building, building, building over the years. And then when Tom Brady beat him, and the way Tom Brady did it really rubbed him the wrong way. So you saw with Deshaun Watson. The Texans said, all right, Deshaun, we're going to bring you to the table. This was back uh, last year. You, you can have some influence on the coach and then some other things, and then they're in a different situation now. But it's where these players want to have – some type, especially in the NFL, because the NFL is really not that way where they say you get to dictate what's going on. NBA, they have some of that power, but the NFL, they really don't. So seeing Tom Brady do what he did, he has the Super Bowl, number seven. I think that influenced some of this. The other thing I think is key to this is Aaron Rodgers is a minority owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. And not knowing how much he's privy to from an ownership perspective being a minority owner, but he may have seen some things and how the new, the group he's with the bucks ownership group to say, all right, I see how this is operating. I should be able to tell these, these uh, individuals in green Bay, at least give them some ideas on how this should work. And that may be factoring into this as well, where they're like, he's seeing some things with the Milwaukee Bucks that he could bring to Green Bay. And like I said, they've been operating a, a certain way for years. And him now at the age of 38, 39, you would have thought they would have did this back in when he was 32, 33, but he's getting older. And I see, I think he sees it writing on the wall where he doesn't have many years left. So he wants to push his hand. He has the MVP season and influence it that way. So I think the Tom Brady piece and then him possibly being, seeing some things with the Bucks may have really just said, man, I got to speak up and uh, do what I had to do over the off season because they really ticked me off. Here's the thing that we, we got to mention as well. In the 2021 NFL draft, okay, we have at the number four pick, your letter that Kyle Pitts, tight end, who is a great pass catcher, right? Mm-hmm. Paired up with Matty Ice. The very next pick, Jamar Chase, a wide receiver out of LSU. Oh, by the way, he's paired up with his LSU quarterback who so happens to play for the Cincinnati Bengals. You have Jalen Waddle, who <laughs> got drafted by the Miami uh, Dolphins, who is paired up with, um, oh, I forgot the quarterback's Tua. name, but he's, Tua. but he's from Al- Tua. Yeah, he's from Alabama. Uh, we're not done, though. At number 10 pick, the... Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, gets selected by the Philadelphia Eagles. 
And who's the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles? His former teammate from Alabama. And so I just think that not only are we talking about Aaron Rodgers looking at what Tom Brady has done, but he's looking at these one, two-year starters, rookie starters, second-year, two-year starters at quarterback getting the number one draft pick, or excuse me, the first-round draft picks of a wide receiver of receivers that they know. Mm-hmm. And they've only been in the league for two years at max. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the frustration I could definitely tell it has built, and rightfully so. Because now you have a pairing here of these quarterbacks and wide receivers for for the next five years, seven years, maybe even 10 years. And all I think Aaron Rodgers was saying is, I want some of that. I want that type of influence. I want at least a pick. Uh, And on today, you have Randall Cobb coming back to the – Green Bay Packers in the slot receiver spot. And so that was most more than likely a mandate by Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. But man, it would have been interesting to see one of these wide receivers to be paired up with Aaron Rodgers for the next few years. So, but I think the frustration level Aaron Rodgers has is again, not only by by him not being listened to on his ideas of the roster, not only seeing what Tom Brady has done, but also seeing these two years starting quarterbacks getting a first round wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And that's all he's probably been asking for, for so long. So, and he may not admit this and he keeps saying he does this Jordan love thing doesn't bother him, but you gotta be kidding me. If, Mm-hmm. He would love to have Chase Claypool. We've talked about this in the previous show. Mm-hmm. So he, come on, man. We can see through that because, you know, dang well, he wanted that receiver last year. Yeah. When they took Jordan Love. And to see the, all these, all those second round receivers go, mm-hmm. second round, not first round even. Claypool is a Claypool stud. Is stud. Yeah. Yeah. Pittman, Michael Pittman with the Colts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I know Jordy Nelson burned him, Balaga, all those dudes he named were his guys in some shape, form, or fashion. But over these last couple of years where he needed that receiver, he actually called that out publicly during the last draft when they picked Jordan Love, and everyone was sitting there like, what? When they passed and actually traded up to get Jordan Love, he knows that mm-hmm. irked him. So I know he said that in his press conference today where it's not about Jordan Love and all these things, but that has to factor into this as well. I, I think it factor into it. I think it's just been a whole lot of stuff over mm-hmm. a number of years. I think it's just been over a course of years that Aaron Rodgers has just been so frustrated. And I have to say, this has probably been one of the most open and transparent uh, press conferences from Aaron Rodgers. Cause you know, usually he, you know, he'd be passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of his statements and everything. I think this has been one of the most forthright statement and press conferences that he has had about this situation over a number of years. So um, we'll see what happens in Green Bay. 
we have this question from one of our great friends, uh, childhood friends, and uh, it's a very intriguing question. And uh, the question is this, have the Packers operated their organization more like the Bucks and sought Rodgers' input like the Bucks did with Giannis and Middleton? Would the Packers be in the quandary they now find themselves? It's a very good question. Uh, I would have to say this to that, Danny. And I think you alluded to it in where Aaron Rodgers is part owner uh, or investor in the Milwaukee Bucks. And so he may have seen some things here. And I think that's why he's being a little bit more forthright here uh, in Dahl. Again, I'll be interested, interested to see what recommendations and, and ideas Aaron Rodgers would have on the defensive side of the ball. I think basketball and football are totally different uh, when it comes to that respect. I mean, I think Giannis was like, okay, go ahead and get Drew Holiday. Realizing that Drew Holiday, he can score, but man, he can defend. He's considered best one of the best um, defensive uh, guards out there in the league. Uh, so I think that football and basketball is a little bit different from that perspective. And obviously Drew played – phenomenal defense throughout the course of that series, the final series. Um, I think with the Packers and again with Aaron Rodgers, I, I would love to have seen who he would recommend for the defensive side of football. But here's the thing, what he said, he actually has practiced or worked out with a lot of NFL players in the off season. So those players could honestly have been uh, as well defense on the defensive side of the ball. And so maybe he has seen some things, maybe they intercepted him in the off season, you know, you never, you just don't know. And maybe he was like, okay, if he can intercept my ball, then yeah, he might be a good fit on our team. So to answer the question, I don't think the Packers would be in the quandary that they find themselves in right now if they would have gotten some feedback from – if they would have actually utilized the feedback from Aaron Rodgers. And here's the reason why. Because I think after a, f- a few recommendations and if the Packers would have implemented those um, ideas, and if they didn't pan out yep. – then you know what and rogers probably be like okay i'm gonna fall back because obviously with what i recommended didn't pan out so i'm just gonna go ahead and just you know do what i do mm-hmm. um and uh, so i i don't think they'll be in the quandary that they were they were in they're in right now if those picks or those ideas were successful yeah, Aaron Rodgers probably keep making some more and more suggestions. But you know what? The Packers would probably have the better option of saying, okay, I can turn it down now because, yes, we implemented some previous ideas. We're not going to implement implement them all so or execute them all. So they would not be in the, in the quandary that they find themselves in. What say you, Danny? I think with the NFL and NBA, they're two really different entities from the player perspective. I think that I kind of hit on this when we were just talking about Aaron Rodgers, where the player's influence, the NFL is more controlled, where, like I said, a lot of players, the only thing they really can do is hold out. 
Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's pretty down the line. You fall in the place. You get in where you fit in. In the NBA, one player, because it's a small roster, and one player can make that big, make that much of a difference, like a Drew Holiday did with the Bucks. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of the front offices listen to the star players. So it's the dynamic of the leagues. I think that it just happens to be that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are in this situation now. Like I said, Tom Brady, he had, from what we could see, he didn't have that much influence in New England. It was Bill Belichick running the show. Because Tom Brady would make comments in the media sometimes where he's like, I could use another receiver or I could use this or that. But it wouldn't happen because Bill Belichick was running the show. So I think it's just the dynamic of the entities. And like you said, it could have been one of those things behind the scenes, like, all right, man, we'll give in to you. This doesn't pan out. We have to have an action plan to mm-hmm. <laughs> report mm-hmm. back to the fans on account of who's accountable for this. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of that, too, if you saw with Aaron Rodgers and McCarthy, for example, who was to blame? Was it Aaron Rodgers or was it McCarthy? And obviously McCarthy got put out of a job because, you know, things just didn't pan out. But going forward or during this time, they could have listened to him because he did, you know, lead them to places and he keeps them as a winning organization and things like that because, you know, he's a top quarterback. But I think I, think, I just think it's the dynamic. And obviously if they were to listen to him, obviously he wouldn't be in this position right now because this is his whole thing of hey man you didn't listen to me you cut my guys mm-hmm, what's mm-hmm. going on but he has to also realize the organization he is playing for and how they operate and they did at certain they went out and got the uh smith brothers right because mm-hmm. he was talking about the defense so they have in a way but i think it's all it comes down to the receivers and offensive linemen, all the people that are in his circle that he plays with, that he's relying on. If they would have kept those guys, he would have been fine. He would have been fine. Yeah. yeah. But they didn't want to pay the money. And mm-hmm. in some cases, they were spot on because a lot of those players had like a year left, maybe. And then they, you know, they fizzled out or whatever the case may be. They're injured. So, yeah, I obviously, I think the Packers could have handled it differently Mm -hmm. but it's one of those things where you got to see the writing on the wall and understand (laughs) who's 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 running who's running the show and they're making sure that you're not so i think that the bucks and i'm looking on the buck side Giannis had all the cards if Giannis doesn't re-sign with milwaukee Milwaukee is in the doldrums of the NBA. Mm-hmm. They'll be eight seed, maybe. Giannis held all the cards, and the Bucks ownership team knew that. They couldn't let him go. So I think that's the other thing where Aaron Rodgers now, at the age he's at, he has a few more years left, depending on how long he wants to play and what shape he's in. But Giannis, being 25, 26, and how much time in this in the ceiling still for him and all the money and 
the fanfare. He's liked. The Bucks had no choice. He controlled that whole situation, and they did the right thing by him by obviously offering the Supermax, but then also bringing in some more talent around him to get him to the championship. I'm going to tell you one other thing, though, too, Danny, about this situation is the fact that you have a clear-cut governor or owner of a franchise and that of Milwaukee Bucks versus that of the Packers. And I think that has heavy influence as well. I think, I think if the situation persists in where there was a clear cut governor or owner, I think that person or person or a couple of people would uh, say, you know what, give Aaron Rodgers what he wants. He, you know, give him Jordy Nelson. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think it, it, this is throw him a bone. Yep. Keep him this quiet. is throw him a bone, man. You know, this this throw him a bone. Uh, we could get Jordy Nelson possibly at a discounted rate because uh, Jordy Nelson wants to be here. So he, he, he wants to do a hometown discount. Okay, let's give it to him. Let's throw him a bone. And then let's just move on. I think that would have spoke volumes. Mm-hmm. And we would not be in this particular situation again had there been a clear-cut governor or owner of the uh, franchise and stuff. And as many of you all know, the Packers—it's, uh, I mean, it's it's owned by thousands of people, man. So yeah. um, there's no clear-cut owner. But I think that's a major difference there too. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backportstalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backportstalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love. Thank you.